Hello and welcome to Diets Redefined, a podcast that provides evidence-based strategies for approaching fat loss and health that nurture all the parts of you, not just what's reflected on the scales. I'm Annie, a certified nutritionist who helps menopausal women claim back their health, body and confidence for life without fads or restriction. And I'm Bex. I'm also a certified nutritionist that helps women simplify fat loss without giving up the foods that they enjoy. My aim is to make you feel confident in yourself and the choices that you make. Our aim for this podcast is to help you quit the yo-yo diet cycle and keep the weight off for good without having to give up your life. You can find either of us on Instagram. My account is Bex Biceps and Banter. Mine is at ALS Nutrition. Okay, welcome to... Let's do this. Diets (laughs) Redefined. Welcome to Another Tuesday podcast. Look at us. This is us, isn't it? This is like we're we're getting very good at being on it with this at the minute. I feel we deserve a round of we are so consistent. I'm just beyond impressed. I'm massively beyond impressed. Um and we have a very, very interesting podcast today. It's all about a Q&A session with Annie and menopause and talking all things menopause. And these are questions that have come from you guys that we're answering for you. So I'm going to let Annie talk and just give us a little bit of a description about menopause. What is it? There's different stages of it. Hit us up. Yeah. So I suppose the reason why this conversation, we're having this conversation when we're doing this Q&A and we're answering your questions is because like in the in the realm of menopause we're not doing a very good job at communicating like accurate information you know we're not doing a very good job at communicating evidence-based information there's so much misinformation so many myths so much uncertainty around the management of menopause in the clinical realm in the nutrition realm and the weight loss community um, so healthcare providers, coaches, and women in perimenopause and menopause are confused. As, uh, they're confused as anything. They're overwhelmed. They don't know where to turn for information. And despite the fact that like 51% of women or people with yep. an, an ovarian system will yep. go through it, nobody really knows, you know, what's going on. Um, yeah, and it's so, confusing. It is definitely confusing. And I think it's hard to know what you should be doing, what you should be listening to. And I think it's a really scary time for women anyway, um, because it's something that I guess we've got used to our bodies being a certain way for such a long time. And then all of a sudden they're changing again. And do you remember like when you first go through puberty and you start and your body's changing and your, you know, hormones. And I found that really overwhelming and like, just, I found it really difficult to deal with that stuff. And you know, it's kind of like reverting back to that part of your life again, where all these changes are happening and it's, it's difficult. And I didn't really have an, I, you know, back then as well, like I'm, I'm 42 now, it was, it wasn't really talked about. And I guess it's only now that menopause has become such a hot topic, I think in the last maybe two years. Um, but again, there's so many different conflicting advice and it's really difficult to know where to turn to so I would help me understand then let's look at the different stages of menopause because obviously there's like peri there's pre there's peri there's Mm -hmm. menopause and then there's post-menopause so can you give us a a little description of each one of those 
Yes. So let's yeah de- define some terms. So yeah, a woman is said to be in menopause when it has been twelve months since her last menstrual period, um, as a result of her ovaries no longer producing eggs, mm-hmm. and then after that point, a woman is postmenopausal. Okay. Although this definition doesn't necessarily apply if you know you're not regularly bleeding, because how would you know that? 12 months ago was your last menstrual period so you know someone with an IUD or you know form of contraception that they're not getting regular periods on might not know based off their menstrual periods um same thing goes for if you've had a hysterectomy and so you don't have a uterus your ovaries might still be producing eggs and you won't have a menstrual bleed to tell you you know indicate to you when the the menopause actually is and I think that sometimes something that we forget as well with this definition so a more useful definition can be like you know when you're no longer producing eggs you're no longer capable of producing eggs um so menopause theoretically is just a day Mm -hmm. right when your ovaries stop producing eggs and this on average happens at what varies across the world but age 51 right surgical menopause so there's also you know different types of menopause surgical menopause is when you've had a total hysterectomy that okay. removes your ovaries as well. Okay. So, can you um, so a woman will go straight then? into menopause if, when you've had everything removed. Yes, so that's what? so. There's no transition, technically speaking, when you go through surgical menopause because a, straight after surgery you'll go into menopause. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's these kind of like different definitions for different okay. people, I suppose. Um, and you know, at that point if you're in surgical menopause, then you'll be having treatment for with HRT for symptoms um, and like your health, the yeah. health risks that you'll now put out as well. So then perimenopause, or often called the menopause transition, mm-hmm. is the period of time leading up to menopause when someone starts to notice changes or symptoms. Okay. And that on average lasts around three to four years but that's an average um it can be shorter or it can be longer mm-hmm. um and one of the first signs of that is changes to your bleeding so either irregular bleeding or they're heavier or they're lighter um okay all right so that's something to start being aware of then I guess if you're coming into an age where you possibly think so like I'm 42 so any I could potentially at some point in the next couple of years start to notice those kinds of changes and it's an indication that I'm starting to go into that perimenopause can't speak the perimenopausal <laughs> state <laughs> yeah. um and then yeah. pre pre is obviously when you're young Just, you don't have you're not mm. even like at that point of but then saying that some women can go through menopause or, at a very young age can't they Yes, I think I I don't actually know what the youngest age reported is but you know I've seen girls who are 15 um 18 who are post menopausal now um Mm -hmm. you know things like cancers or um premature ovarian insufficiency so early menopause is defined as before the age of 45 right and if it's before the age of 40 it's called premature ovarian insufficiency okay so that affects you know one to five percent of people worldwide um and so yeah it's also important that this is a thing like the we've just said like there's such an array of experiences and this is something I see all the time especially as someone who's younger speaking about menopause um 
is there's this misconception that it's like an old woman's problem or it's something yeah. that doesn't need to be thought about until you're gray and wrinkly <laughs> yeah until you're into and it's such a misconception and it's so damaging as well that you know that's the narrative because there's so much silence around it and there's so much shame and there's so much stigma and there's girls who are 15 in who yeah. are and it's like if you're telling them to wait you know until they're in their 50s to start talking about it or even just like anybody then you know there's such a disservice being done there to women Definitely. you know yeah. and it's um, it, you know imagine being that age and you're going through it like that's so mm-hmm. hard to deal with like at such a young age so okay so then let's just go into some basic things in that like when would you think about going to see your GP so when someone should kind of probably go to their GP is when they're experiencing symptoms they're having like heavy bleeding for example that's becoming an issue for them mm-hmm. um and they're suffering because of their symptoms um also maybe because they're unsure about contraception now because their periods are so irregular so that would probably be the main reasons to go and see your GP at this stage but I mean the symptoms are there's a a cracker's list of like the types of symptoms that you might be experiencing at this time you know mood swings brain fog fatigue poor concentration anxiety is a big one and some of these aren't necessarily women don't necessarily connect dots when it comes to these being menopause or hormone related right like anxiety and things like that um and so they don't actually realize that all of a sudden they've just become you know crazy anxious about you know everything and even like making a phone call is now they just find absolutely debilitating and Mm -hmm. they're just completely at a loss as to where that's coming from and you know that could be down to perimenopause um yeah. you know irritability and things like that are more ones yeah, that are more I guess, often spoken about. um I guess as women we we can feel quite irritable at, at certain times of the month anyway and mm-hmm. you, know, you might feel that you're a bit more forgetful but then you might put that down to oh, I'm just getting I'm tired I'm getting older it's just part and parcel of what happens to it but actually these can be symptoms of that you are going into that perimenopausal state so again, to just be aware, I guess like, so then start making notes, is it? Start noticing these little changes that are happening months on months and start to see whether they, whether they keep happening or do they tend to like start and then stop? Or is it when you tend to start having these yep. symptoms that they will keep coming every month? So, you know, you kind of just like hit a really important point there. Like the, how I like to think of it is, you know, your estrogen and progesterone and your hormones aren't just like riding a steady ramp down from, you know, perimenopause onwards. It's not like like a smooth curve downwards, right? It's like a freaking up and down roller coaster that is trending downwards, right? So a woman might experience really, really irregular bleeding, lots of anxiety, sleep disturbances, um, some crazy symptoms one month. And then after a few months, they might go away and she might go back to normal and then think she's dreamt the entire thing up. Um, okay. And, you know, I've heard stories about them then making a GP appointment and then going and speaking to someone. And actually they're like, well, I'm kind of fine now, yeah. but still go, still go. And because this is, you know, a classic thing that happens is it's not some linear downward smooth, like transition yeah, yeah. as your hormones decline. It's erratic 
like to say the least and so these symptoms come and they go and they go up and down and so you know definitely like just um similar to when we first started having periods and we were going through that exactly phase Uh it's exactly that same kind of like one month you're fine one month you're not and then it can take like you said a couple of years even before your periods actually start as a woman doesn't it when you go through that phase and even when that does happen it doesn't mean that they then come regularly even you know when you're like whatever age you started I think I was like 13 and I remember they weren't it took ages for them to just become regular every month but my hormones would be oh my god they'd be up and down like and I didn't know where I was for about a year I think and then I was like okay this is tends to be that the pattern that happens so okay that happens the same way in the reverse and as you're coming out of this Mm -hmm. um phase um Mm -hmm. so there are obviously different routes and methods of um drugs that you can take for um menopause so the hrt the hormone replacement therapy so give us a little bit of a description i guess as to what they do like because i i think can you get it in different forms this might be two questions in one like is it a cream is it a tablet like is it is there both and then how do they work yes so um hrt hormone replacement therapy so there was obviously that's kind of like um become more popular ever since Mm -hmm. they busted those old studies from the women's health initiative um it kind of went off the radar didn't it yeah Um, but they've kind of busted some of those myths and they've you know taken a look again at the risks and found that actually the the benefits outweigh the risks right yeah so hrt so estrogen um is part of the hrt regime which is really really effective at relieving hot flashes night sweats sleep disturbances low mood vaginal dryness um anxiety as well um so estrogen can be a tablet or it can be um delivered transdermally so through the skin as a patch or gel and the the reason why they have these different routes of administration is they have different safety profiles so when you take estrogen as a tablet you get the dose straight into you swallow it right so it goes into your gastrointestinal tract you get one dose in a big burst through your liver mm-hmm. and that can alter clotting factors and increase blood clot risk so okay. you wouldn't administer this route if someone was at risk of thrombosis for example they're obese or a smoker or they have a pre-known risk for that so for these people transdermally is a great option because there's no increased risk of clotting mm-hmm. um, and it's released slowly through the skin either as a patch or as a cream or a gel um, as a gel sorry so um so that's estrogen some people can take um local estrogen it's called so vaginal estrogen for vaginal dryness so that's like a small dose which is applied um either as a pessary or a cream to locally Just- to your vagina for to treat vaginal dryness okay Um, I didn't know that I hadn't didn't know there was that option or anything yeah yeah so that's a big one like um vaginal dryness you know we can I know we train PT clients as well right and that might be a huge area of discomfort for them when it comes to you know exercising or running or um being on a bike for example um it affects your sex life um so it's you know one of the big reasons for like a decrease in libido and pain during like sex as well um and so getting treated for that too is definitely worth a discussion if that's something you're experiencing 
Um, and yeah, and I think the important thing to remember here, and you know, I'm not a doctor, obviously these conversations are to be had with um, a specialist or yeah. your GP. Um, but dosing is like really important here too. So it might be that you go and you get um, HRT from your GP or a menopause specialist and it takes a while to, it might take a while to figure out the right dosing. Okay. You know? Um, you know, you can't really know like what your individual hormone levels are. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it can take some time to get it right. And I know I've spoken to people and they're just saying, you know, I tried HRT, but it didn't do anything for me or, you know, they felt worse on it or something like that. And in that, that case, it's, you know, go back and speak to your GP or speak to your yeah. specialist and, you know, discuss your options there as well, because it might be that dosing, there's also absorption um women absorb different rates as well so just because you're applying it on your skin doesn't necessarily mean that all of that is getting into your body um so again having another discussion with your gp about that if the symptoms are still present um that's something to bear in mind as well it's not just like here you go here's your hrt you're fixed yeah you know it's ongoing Um, to be constantly in touch with your doctor to be able to make sure you're getting the right support and treatment for what your body levels need and they can change obviously like you said they don't necessarily mm-hmm. just stay the same you might need to it might need to change a few times before you get the right like I said dosage of what is needed okay so that's that's yeah, good yeah. so that was guess- that's estrogen yeah. yeah and um progest and you asked about progesterone mm-hmm. so a, a woman with a uterus yeah. needs to take a progesterone, a progesterone with estrogen, right. um, which can either be delivered as a tablet or a patch. Um, it can be an IUD as well. Um, and that's because she still has a uterus. So um, what estrogen can do is thicken the endometrial lining and cause um, an increased risk of like uterine cancer and things like that. So that's why you prescribe progesterone if you still have a uterus as well. So that's the case going on there. I know one thing we spoke about earlier was testosterone right yeah yeah Um, I hear a lot about testosterone I had a couple of PT clients that um she said it changed her life but she (laughs) had to go it wasn't something she could just get very easily either she had to go um down the sexual health clinic route and do it that way but she said that it it for her it massively changed her life. She was also taking, um, she was on HRT as well, but she said the difference in her mood, in herself, was a complete game changer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. what and it, like testosterone? <laughs> so yeah, like exactly like you just said. So you might be on HRT, you might be on estrogen or with progesterone, and you might still feel like just, my clients describe it as that feeling of just being like meh you know like they're just not quite themselves they they look back and they think god you know I used to run half marathons and I used to just be the person that went in the room and lit up the room and I'm just not I just don't have my mojo anymore and for them I I really do suggest um taking a look at testosterone which like you said is often women claim is the the missing piece of the puzzle for them um so I think you know, testosterone, there's a lot of misconception around it as it's the male hormone, right? But women actually produce it in our, our bodies in much higher quantities than estrogen, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, and 
you know, it's not just a male hormone. It's incredibly important hormone in our bodies as well. Um, and it falls, you know, through your menopause transition. And sometimes pe- women don't know that. Mm-hmm. And women don't know that their energy levels, their fatigue, their low mood, their um, libido and things like that, their mojo is as a result of that thing. So currently um, there's only actually really quality evidence for its use to treat the low libido side of things so the sexual desire side of things so in the UK um you can get it on you can get it basically prescribed off label um because we don't have a female testosterone medication licensed in the UK the only place in the world that has that is Australia um That's so highly frustrating <laughs> yeah tell you um but you know um lots of countries can get it um basically sent over from australia as well or they give off-label male testosterone um, so when you say and so we have that here. when you say off-label what does that mean because i'm assuming that maybe people will think oh my god it's off it's the back of a lorry job scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, so off-label basically just means like I said that we don't have it licensed for use in women in mm-hmm. this country. Um, that doesn't mean that you're at risk when you take it. Um, it just means, you know, we haven't caught up yet, right, essentially, okay. which is just a classic in this area, right? Um, so if your GP is happy to prescribe at you off-label, then they will do. Mm-hmm. If not, then you know seeking out a menopause specialist if that's accessible to you is you know probably a, a yeah. good place to start um but again people. it's expensive yeah so that's it I've had two people that I know who have got it one has had to pay privately to get it um and the other went to the sexual health clinic and managed to get it that way mm-hmm. um so yeah I guess like you said it's it's a shame but it's something that is worth looking into um, if you are feeling a certain way, but I think like testosterone as well, if you think about it, it is that it's that drive to do something, isn't it? That's mm. what that hormone gives you. It's that drive to want to go out and run or want to show up in a certain way because it gives you that. I feel like it's like an energy, isn't it? It gives you that, like that. Yes, that that oomph, right? yeah. yeah. And that's why men like always seem to be like, <laughs> they're the ones that always want to have sex <laughs> because they have more of it than us, right? They're the mm-hmm. ones that want to, you know, they're always like just, and they can they can go and train, they can go and run whenever they feel like it because they seem to, they have it more in abundance than what we do is naturally in our bodies. But it is that, that hormone that just makes you go, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do mm-hmm. it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah. so. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely always say, you know, if that's you um, and your current HRT regime isn't, you know, you're still noticing that your libido is low, especially, or you're fatigued or you've got low energy and you're just kind of like lacking that drive, then it's definitely worth a discussion. Just don't forget that they yeah, won't prescribe it you if it's not for low libido. Because um, I guess as well, while we're on the subject of low libido, women can have that from quite a young age really like it's like <laughs> I can vouch for that yeah well so can I and it's just thinking yeah. like like and I know what my friends who've spoken about it and we're like we're just not that bothered sometimes like literally and mm-hmm. and again it's like so 
it makes you think, well, it's a shame that they wouldn't give us one for our partners, <laughs> that it wasn't something that is a bit more readily available in some instances, but how yeah. much maybe our bodies need it. Like women need that, that extra kick sometimes. Um, and not mm. just from a sex perspective either, you know, just to, to have that energy to, yeah, because I think we feel drained quite a lot with everything that goes on in, in a woman's life. And I'm not saying that I'm not here bashing men. I'm not saying that they don't get it tough. But like women, we have a lot to deal with on top of like everything our bodies go through, you know, mm -hmm. even just like in terms of like societal pressures as well. Yeah. And I think you've raised an important point, actually, like this is something as well is in the menopause space, sometimes you can get quite you know, ugh, some women think that hormones are like the absolute going to solve all of their problems type of thing as well. And then they forget about the other things involved, like the other things involved in low libido, for example, you know, is your energy levels for starters can also impact your libido. Your body image can impact your libido if you have a poor body image. Um, your relationship with your partner, you know, especially when you're going through these changes, like are you in that supportive like environment because I know a lot of women that really really aren't and they're not understood yeah. by their partners and that can really impact your libido as well there's you know the emotional side of libido as well and the connection and for women that's very different to men I feel yeah. and, and I there's a lot more to it and I can imagine that's why a lot of marriages long-term marriages potentially break down at this point in a woman's life uh, you know like you see it don't you couples like um splitting up after years of being together and you, it makes you think, like, I wonder if it's because they're just not themselves anymore, that women aren't themselves, and they start to see their lives as very different, and they can't, it, it, yeah, so it does make you wonder, like, oh, I must do it, it must play a big part in how your there relationship is, um, goes some... or partner, or... Yeah, I, th I think so, I think so, I think there's actually some stats on that, Um, I think there's some stats on that somewhere, I bet you and that's the thing as well, it's like, yeah, I bet there is, and, you know, there's... um that's the thing as well is there's the changes that are going on at this time in your life and all of the stresses and the different priorities. And I think that's something that's not spoken about enough either is you've got these hormonal changes going on against a backdrop of all of these things happening in your life at this time. For example, like children leaving home, um, you know, caring for elderly parents or, you know, even yeah. God forbid, like death of parents and, yeah just so many things going on at that time which it's just not an easy Place thing it's not an easy time in your life to be dealing with a hormonal shit show to be quite yeah, honest with you yeah, and yeah. we don't speak speak about those things enough either um your career as well like your career is at the, the top yeah. in your 40s and there's a lot of demands there too and it's just yeah um a lot it's a lot like you said there's a lot of pressure lot. on top of like you said a shit show of hormones just making life a shit ton harder. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, this is a really common question. Again, that I've come up with my own clients and I'm sure you've heard it a lot. Why have I noticed weight gain around my middle area and what causes this? And is there anything that I can do to stop it? So I guess it's that lower tummy kind of area around mm -hmm. your hips you tend to notice. Um, yep. what, what is that? So when estrogen declines so when we go through this transition you will see 
a redistribution of body fat from your glutes and your legs towards your belly. Mm-hmm. And it sounds so unfair, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, the, 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 the kind of body part that all your life you've, you've measured yep. your guest degree of body fat mm-hmm. on is suddenly, even with no like body fat increase, distribution, right? So you, you could essentially, your body fat levels don't actually change, but because it, the body fat is moving to yeah. that midsection, you end up thinking, well, your body ends up changing in a way that socially and possibly like for yourself, you you can't really like cope with that change yeah. because obviously we've always been told your stomach should be flat. And, you and know, if you don't you have, have a fat stomach, quite, then... Sorry, especially if you have had quite a, a leaner stomach, especially if you yeah. have been someone that hasn't had a tummy, it that's a hell of a thing to then all of a sudden get your fat then get stored there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's where, you know, the body image work as well comes Mm. in useful in, you know, accepting a changing body. And I think knowing that is completely normal for that to happen. Like it's, it happens to everyone as estrogen declines. I think um, there's some research that HRT um, actually helps with this redistribution as well. Um, So essentially estrogen um and this is why the symptoms are so wide like body wide ranging because there's estrogen receptors and estrogen works across everywhere in your body you know it's why we get joint pain you get cognition changes like breast soreness depression bloating in your gastrointestinal tract these estrogen receptors are everywhere and so these symptoms are also everywhere but estrogen Um, also plays a massive role in fat metabolism and fat distribution, which is why we see this shifting distribution of body fat towards your midsection. And they're not entirely sure what the mechanisms underlying this are yet, but it's got something to do with, you know, falling estrogen and like estrogen receptors as well. Um, So I'm interested to see what they eventually come up with for that. But yeah. Um, you can't and so, really yeah. stop it then it's going to happen it's something that is naturally going to happen and it is naturally it's, going to it's kind of like are there different levels of it like some women may notice it more than others or well yeah exactly perhaps you know like we say in terms of everyone's experience is different and everyone's biology is different and you know there's there's something like 25 percent of women go through the menopause with virtually no symptoms and then we know that there's women that go through this time and it's absolutely crippling for them and you know that absolutely just so unbelievably difficult and I think acknowledging that there is such a range of experiences and all our biologies are different and things like that but um I think yeah HRT has been shown to reduce that um belly fat but of course it, it still comes down to the science we know behind energy balance in that reducing yeah. your fat stores in is going to help reduce yes. overall fat yeah. and that you know. and I just while we're on that subject then we know that um energy balance and fat loss through menopause is the same with regardless of whether you are in the menopause or not isn't it it's always going to be calories in versus calories out so you don't gain body fat fat just because you're going through the menopause there yeah 
Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a big one. Um, you know, when all of these changes are going on in your body and, you know, you start to think that nothing seems to work for you anymore. And, you know, all the old diets that you used to try, they're just not having the effect that they used to. Um, you're noticing, you know, that um body fat stored around your belly. It can literally feel like there must be something else going on yeah, here. There must it. be something else at play and the thing is there is something else at play it's not you know that physiologically fat loss and weight gain has changed like it's still down to consuming excess calories and putting on weight right but it's it's not like menopause and hormones cause weight gain directly it's more the indirect effect of symptoms low energy all the other shit that's going on in your life right now, other priorities, stress, all of those things that contribute to it being much, much, much harder to adhere to a consistent calorie deficit. Right. Um, and not to mention like the women I've worked with, you know, they've been dieting for decades mm-hmm. and the beliefs and the mindsets that come with that. And, you know, potentially if someone's struggling with self-compassion and, you know, it want the the wanting the weight to just all fall off in the first week. And it does take some patience and it does take some mindset shifts, especially if that's you right now. And it does take more support. We also know that, you know, estrogen, as estrogen falls, estrogen basically is responsible for regulating your hunger and satiety as well by impacting other hunger hormones in the body. So as estrogen falls, these hunger hormones and satiety hormones change and you can become hungrier as well, which means, nice. you know, nice. you've, you've got hunger working against you now as well. I mean, you know, when um, yeah. we hit PMS, we know we experience that like mm-hmm. increase in hunger too. Like there's just so much going so there's on. There's a lot of reasons as to why you can gain weight when yes. you're menopausal, mm-hmm. but you link it thinking I'm going through the menopause. So this is now why I am getting yeah. fatter. I'm, and I can't lose it because obviously you're working against a lot of hormonal changes and yeah. you're also more probably more tired and that's why it feels harder as in like why is it not coming off as quickly as what it did in my 20s and 30s mm-hmm. um and I, I definitely think that every decade you get the slower it is to lose body fat yeah yeah like, I'm trying I'm dieting down now and it is a lot I don't know it's a lot slower than what I was even in my like late 30s um mm-hmm. so I, I can imagine how much of a head fuck that is for women when you're late 40s going into your 50s and then all of a sudden you're dealing with your body changing because your tummy area is getting bigger you're gaining weight and you don't really understand why that's happening and you're just all linking it to the fact that it's the menopause it's, this is this is what's happening and then yeah. you feel shit because you just think well your body's just doesn't like you anymore it just doesn't want to it's broken like it's working against you what what can you do about it and I think this is annoying as well because social media backs this up too you know there's coaches in this space and there's influencers in this space that spout misinformation about weight loss at this time and weight gain and you know they blame it on things like carbs and your body doesn't process Mm -hmm. carbs the same anymore and it's not true and so you end up down this rabbit hole on social media thinking you know, I, I thought I didn't know what on earth was going on with my body right now. And I especially don't fucking know now because yeah. everyone's telling me it's carbs or they're telling me it's my metabolism. And, you know, this is something oh. I see all the time as well is that, um, you know, uh, as you approach menopause, your metabolism 
slows down dramatically or crashes and you don't need as many calories anymore. And again, that's not true. Like um, declining metabolism is associated with age and it doesn't really decline until after the age of 60. Now it is harder for menopausal women to um, grow muscle. And we know that muscle is more metabolically active, but it's the magnitude of effect is so small. It's like it's an extra 50 calories for a kilo of muscle. And do you know how long it takes to build a kilo of muscle? Freaking long time. (laughs) And so it's blown out of proportion. And then people end up buying into these fads and buying into these diet programs that are about, you know, intermittent fasting. They're basically just restrictive diets in disguise Mm -hmm. and they don't work. And then these women lose even more trust in themselves and even more trust in their bodies. And they end up thinking it's not possible for them anymore. And it's a willpower issue and all of these things. And it's not, like, I can promise you it's, it's not true. Like yeah. it's really not, you know, it just takes, um, I guess you've just got to have that support around you that is needed, but also go into it as a knowledge, knowing that, you know, you can lose body fat if you've got it to lose, but it just, is going to take that little bit longer and to be patient but then fat loss does take longer than what people want anyway so at any time of life yeah 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 so it's kind of like just reaffirming that to yourself that okay so for me to see these changes it might just take a couple more weeks than what it did in my 40s and 30s to, when I saw those same changes but again just again just like fat loss always takes longer than what women want mm. <laughs> um, and, and that's why like having that long-term like a coach that's going to support you in the long term and the lasting changes and the mindset that's required to navigate that, you know, when it comes to the scale weight, you know, if you're someone that you're in menopause, right, for example, and the scale just doesn't seem to be dropping and you're doing all the work and you're trying everything, you know, and then you throw in the towel and you just give up, you might have genuinely been on absolutely the right track. But, you know, think about all the hormone fluctuations. And we know that scale weight fluctuates from so many things that have nothing to do with body fat Mm -hmm. and water retention is a big one. And your body is throwing all of these hormone changes at you. You know, water retention might be hella more erratic and bloating and the gastrointestinal thing. So just, you know, stop reducing, I suppose, your weight loss journey in menopause just to such a small thing. It's such a complex um like array of different things um so give your body more credit give yourself more credit and and give it time and And give it time and be patient um which are all very frustrating things I know because we're women and we're very impatient but (laughs) you kind of got to do it (laughs) so one of the other questions was I think we covered the fat loss principles are the same um but it's harder now so that's kind of what we just spoke about now isn't it so what what can I do to improve my energy levels? That was another question that we had come up. Yeah, so we, we know again, like the reason why weight loss is harder in menopause as well is because your energy drops. You get this, you know, overwhelming sense of fatigue. Your sleep is disturbed all of the time. We know that impacts things like hunger and it impacts your body image and all of these motivation and consistency and movement. So all the things that are important for weight loss. So energy is a big one. If you're suffering with low energy and you're trying to lose weight as well, low energy is such an important thing to fix first or get a handle on first or support yourself with first. Um, so, uh, I always say that from a good diet then as well. Yes. So I always say there's like the physical side of things. So 
if you're perimenopausal, you're in menopause and your energy levels have just, you know, plummeted through the roof, hormones are going to have a massive role to play here. We know that. So advocate for yourself here. Go and see your GP. If you're on HRT, but you're not taking testosterone, then possibly explore that avenue as well. But HRT for you know, managing your sleep disturbances as well is going to help your energy levels massively if that's something that you're struggling with right now too. Um, nutrition as well. So, you know, the nutrition fundamentals, making sure that, especially if you're losing weight, that you're you're not going ridiculously low on calories, you're not skipping meals, you're not, um, you know, you're meeting all your requirements in terms of like nutritionally. So your protein, you're not cutting out carbohydrates. Um yeah, you know, you're getting a variety of vegetables in and things precisely. like that. So it's the same stuff that what you would be doing in your hopefully 20s mm. and 30s. You really want to just be on top of it going mm. into your the later stages of life. Um, yeah. Because all of and that is going to help with improving your energy levels naturally. Yeah. And then, then a big thing I say is, you know, energy levels go a lot further than just the physical side of energy. So if you think about low energy, think about what are the kind of symptoms and the telltale signs that are kind of coming with that? You know, it might be like the the classic physical fatigue and the headaches and just wanting to nap all the time. But it also might be like lack of, just lack of motivation or you're feeling really flat. Um, you're really irritable. You're feeling hopeless. You're feeling lost. Things like that as well. Your, your brain is just like fr- frazzled. Um, you know, you're mentally fatigued as well. Like energy goes a lot further than the physical. Yeah. And I say this in my masterclass for low energy. And this is something that I was picking up on in a lot of my clients that, you know, they've got HRT. So why am I still feeling dead in myself? And, you know, in realistically, they're running around all over the shop. They're chronically stressed. Um, you know, they're emotionally eating all the time. They're skipping meals. They're doing X, Y, and Z. They don't really know they don't do anything for them anymore they Mm. don't do anything that's fun they don't play they don't there's a lot going on and all of this too is going to impact your energy levels so not forgetting these pieces of the puzzle either um and if that's something that you want to learn more about so taking time for yourself and making time to meet your friends maybe for a coffee Mm -hmm. and a a catch-up or you know just putting on some nice underwear that it feels nice for your body. Um, just doing things that, you know, make you feel happy outside of diet and exercise and things like that. Like just soul sparks, I call them. So like soul finding your soul sparks it. that kind of like, soul yeah, that light you up inside yeah. and making that, making it a, a thing that I guess something that came up actually the day, a selfish uh, responsibility. So it's your responsibility to make, time for you to do the things that you need to do to make you feel good whatever that form is mm-hmm. in, and so you have that time out and you find the joy in something outside of just um physical appearance and things like yeah. that precisely and that like that's the thing as well like that we spoke about that like feeling flat that like you can't quite put your finger on it but you've lost your mojo and you know, you're just not doing, I I think this is the thing when low energy happens and your sleep is crap and things like that, you don't want to move off the sofa. You don't want to cook a nourishing meal. You don't want to like go out and meet your friends because you just don't feel like it anymore. But actually, you know, yeah. And this is something I say in my masterclass, like it's not about 
overhauling everything when it comes to your energy. But let's start at the base of the pyramid. Like what's one really small thing that you can do this week that doesn't feel overwhelming for you because you might be in a state of absolute exhaustion. Even if it's just ringing your doctor and booking a GP appointment, if you yeah. think it's hormones and you're yeah. you're not on a HRT or, you know, when was the last time? And this is like what we say all the time about values and knowing what your values are. But if you're not living in line with your values, let's say, for example, relationships are really important to you or friendship or whatever, and you haven't seen your friends for like six months or whatever, that's going to have enough, that's going to impact yeah. your energy, that spark, like you say, the soul yeah. spark, right? Can you just schedule in a cup of tea with a friend this week or get out on a walk and combine these two things? Physical activity is really important for energy as well. And, you know, just do these things that are just moving the notch ever so slightly and making them a non-negotiable in your week. Um, And if you want to learn like what more of these are, then I didn't genuinely do have a masterclass on this. So um, (laughs) like just (laughs) slide on over to Instagram and and take a look. I go through all of these different layers of your energy levels that we so often just miss and forget about when it comes to you know menopause and again just thinking it's all about hormones so many more things involved so many more things okay so the last one and it's quite I guess it might be a short question to answer but what can you do to alleviate symptoms especially like joint pain is there anything you can take or is it part and parcel of menopause um so yeah, this is a really common one. Um, so yeah, obviously like um, HRT can help with this, but you know, there's some women that I speak to and they've not, for example, they've not got a HR, they can't get to their HRT appointment for another yeah. six months. So what do they do? You know, they can't, they can't walk. Their joints are just like so incredibly achy and sore and it's just impacting their quality of life as well. Um, something I suggest that, so there's not actually that much evidence around joint pain in the menopause specifically right um one thing I do suggest is that has been shown like anecdotally to work quite well in my clients is uh, turmeric supplements Um, so basically what I tend to suggest is um supplements that have evidence like strong evidence in other joint disorders Okay. If that makes sense. So um, yeah. turmeric is, is one of those. Um, there is some research there. Um, okay. So it's like looking at other sort of pain conditions. Yeah. Um, so like the joint problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, turmeric is one that I suggest. Um, there's some research behind black pepper um, supplementation as well. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, we want to address the root cause and if that's declining estrogen then it's definitely worth uh, scheduling an appointment come from like the actual medication um, mm-hmm. that the doctor mm-hmm. would prescribe and and again like sleep as well like sleep is going to impact these things as if you if, i don't know if you feel like i don't know if you've ever woken up after a really shitty night's sleep and your body just hasn't yeah. it doesn't feel like it's recovered like especially if like you're you, still yeah, training yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah, know that feeling of just like oh, I feel like I could just go back to sleep. Like I'm not, my body feels heavy and tired. It's and key, yeah. I guess like, maybe like, um, would massage and like booking it again, a bit of that, that t- energy reboot as in like your masterclass is called that, but finding that energy from a different source, not just from a food. So maybe booking in for regular massage treatments that feel nice, so like anything mm-hmm. along those lines. Cause it, it's not going to hurt 
to have your muscles like massaged, is it? Or like having a nice, I don't know, aromatherapy massage, but like, and really, cause that, that's going to help with joint pain, regardless of whether it's coming from an internal fix or an outside, we all feel good after we've had like a, you know, a deep tissue massage. So maybe even mm-hmm. little things like that. And again, that will go yeah. hand in hand with you making some time out for yourself and booking an appointment to see somebody. Um, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And I don't, I don't think there's, there's no research behind magnesium either. And it's the same with sleep. Anecdotally, magnesium with sleep has been shown to be like um, really beneficial. Um, again, there's no like science, yeah. like research, published papers on it, but um, that can also kind of help with joint pain as well. And again, same thing. Like it might work and it might not. Um, but again, like yeah. women are, are willing to try everything especially joint aches are kind of like keeping you awake as well um and that's just like a it's like a double like a sword yeah like if you're not sleeping because of joint aches and then your joint aches are getting worse because you haven't slept very well you know it's just this vicious cycle and you know women just don't know where to start um but yeah I think my advice is just start somewhere start with just dissecting the information that you've heard in this podcast and you yeah, know, probably listen to it a few schedules. times as well, maybe. <laughs> like just <laughs> there's a lot of info going on here. But yeah, it's it's been a really good QA, I think. And there's a lot of really good information that Annie's given out there. Um and obviously, like if you need Annie's got her energy reboot masterclass, which you can all go and jump on. Um so that's always available because I think you run that a few times, don't you? It's actually just evergreen now. So you can, it's literally in my, in my link, in bio, in oh, Instagram, ready to buy whenever you like. It's pre-recorded. Um, it comes with a workbook and everything like that. So yeah, it is that. And, you know, there are some also just want to mention that some really, really, I think this is the thing we said at the start, like the evidence-based information in this space is core to say the least. There's so much misinformation. There are so many myths even doctors are treading outside of their scope of practice now like very um acclaimed doctors in this space are treading outside their scope when it comes to nutrition and things like that as well so make sure you're following and just like you're discerning in this space but you know follow dr louise newsom for um hormone advice um follow dr um kelly casperson for um sexual um like the sexual uh, gynecology sexual. side of things follow amanda Thebe. i'm doing a live with her in an hour um wow. for just like non like zero bullshit take on menopause she is a big like she'll just she's savage she'll just rip apart anyone that's pushing fad supplements or spreading misinformation about menopause and she's got a big sort of um network of evidence-based you know authorities in this space follow them just make sure you're following the right people and you're you know if you're ever unsure of anything or you need help in terms of going to your GP with the right information and you're unsure how to ask them or approach the conversation drop me a message and I'll send you you know the things that I send my clients like just slide in I'm literally here here to help Well, thank you, Annie. Thank you for answering all the questions. Um, it was really, it was, I've, I've learned a lot and it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, so that's today's episode for you. We will be back next week with um, another one, another hot topic of conversation. But if you want to work with either of us or follow either of us, our handles are in the 
show notes. So you've got, obviously you should know who we are by now. We've got Bex and Annie. <laughs> and um, if you would leave a review and share this podcast, we would absolutely love it. But only five star reviews, please. Um, please. But yeah, please. But thank you for listening <laughs> as always. And yeah, we hope you've enjoyed and we will see you next week.